my name is James. I'm the pastor here, uh, and it's it's a real privilege. It's three actually like three days ago. It was exactly three years since my my first Sunday here. It came up in a in a Facebook memory. Like remember those times, uh, and now we actually get to gather again after two years of not really being able to gather. So it's it's a privilege to be here. Uh, last week, Ian talked about evangelism, and I know a lot of us kind of tensed up about the idea of evangelism, but he shared about what it looks like to evangelize in Toronto right now. And one of the things he said, which I think is really important, is that sharing the good news of Jesus doesn't necessarily mean standing on a street corner with a sign. For some people, it might mean that, but for lots of people, they might feel uncomfortable with that. And there are other ways to share the good news of Jesus, and that is a good thing. If we only have a very narrow view of evangelism, it might mean that we miss out on lots of opportunities to share the good news. Because evangelism, sharing the good news of who Jesus is and how he loves us, that could look different. Jesus cares about marginalized people. Maybe that's something that your co-workers need to hear. It can mean sharing with your friends who think that churches are anti-environment and anti-science, and lots of them are, that actually we as a church do care about creation. We do care about the environment. We have a garden and bees because these things matter to us. Let's, let's get really controversial just from the outset, why not? After the news coming out of the US this week, it can mean that telling people that being truly pro-life means caring not just for the unborn, but also caring about children once they arrive and caring about adults once they grow up. That protecting the dignity of the vulnerable doesn't cease once they've been born, that we care about people all the way through. And this more robust idea of evangelism actually got me thinking back to a message I gave to Wellspring about four years ago. Uh, and I was kind of torn about sharing it again because it felt really pretentious to be like, well, no one said this better than me four years ago. <laughs> Implies I haven't really grown that much, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but you can also get into trouble for plagiarizing yourself, so I have to like cite myself where possible. But it was also four years ago, and like I, you know, I'm not going to give you a quiz on a message that maybe you heard four years ago. Also, there's a bunch of new people here, which is wonderful and exciting. So you get to be dazzled for the first time. Uh, <laughs> and I've only been the pastor of Wellspring for three years, as I say. Um, so this was something I shared before I was the pastor here. It was when I was just doing pulpit supply because. Bill Hall, who's in the back there, had left, and there was an empty pulpit, and so I rushed to fill it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and after that message, and, and sharing what I thought God's heart for the city was, and sharing these verses, um, was when the selection committee said, hey, we think this could fit. And I said, no, and here I am. So <laughs> God has a good sense of humor on these things, I think. And actually, when I was going over it, I was just going to like read the whole thing out, and I said, like, this doesn't work, because things have happened in four years. So I basically massively edited it, and now it's two sermons, so you're getting it next week as well. But that's like what all movies are doing now, I've realized. Like, the last Harry Potter movie was two movies, and the last Avengers movie was two movies. So, all the cool kids. Twilight? Everyone here is either too old or too young for Twilight, aren't they? <laughs> But 
I want so I'm going to talk about Jeremiah more this week and Jesus more next week because Jesus is great and we should talk about him a lot. But I wanted to talk about these verses from Jeremiah about God having great plans for us and seeking the welfare of the city and what it says in chapter 29. See, I've lost my place on. As it prospers, you will prosper. Now, here's the thing about those verses. You know, I have great plans for you, heart plans not to harm. Uh, and those are good verses, and these are true verses, and we should hold on to them. Um, but I think we have, as we so often do, taken verses out of context. And when we take verses out of context, we often miss the richness that God has put in Scripture for us. Um, my sister, when she was christened at age seven, because my family's weird, um, her picture of her with all her godparents uh, has this verse, I have plans not to harm, but great plans for you. And, and so now people are probably tensing up and being like, James, you're about to ruin everything and telling us that God doesn't have great plans for us after all. Uh, and I am a little bit. Uh, because actually those verses aren't about you. Those verses aren't about you. But when I say they're not about you, they're not about you as an individual. But I think they absolutely are for us as a community. And so knowing everything that happens around these verses, knowing the build-up, knowing the history, knowing what has happened to get people to this place where God has to share that, you know, it might not feel like it, but I really do have great plans for you. You might not believe it, but I really don't want to harm you. Knowing everything that happens, that makes it more exciting. But it also helps us understand that it's not about you and it's not about me, but it is about us. And when we think that God only has great plans for us as an individual, that might mean that we miss some stuff. Maybe we become a little bit more selfish when we think that God has great plans for me, but not necessarily for my neighbor. We might miss what God wants to do for us as a community. Jeremiah 29. Uh, it gets used to justify a lot of things which I think are actually antithetical to God's story, to God's truth, to God's love, to who God is revealed. Um, taking these verses out of context is responsible for quite a lot of, of good things, admittedly, but quite a lot of bad things. And when we use a line like this, devoid of its context, the verse citation, and we have on our wall there, I mean, seek the welfare of the city, Jeremiah 29.7. But if we don't know anything that happened in Jeremiah 28 or Jeremiah 30, that might as well just say, like, the Bible. Seek the welfare of the city. The Bible. It's in there. Trust us. And that's okay, to a degree, because we can use that for positive. We can use that for good. We can say, love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible. Or we can say, we walk by faith and not by sight, which... I got tattooed on myself when I was 20 and didn't know the Bible that much. So ironically, that's like been a verse for me, even though it wouldn't be my first choice nowadays. But it's the Bible. That's all you need to know. 
am. That's, you know, my favorite verse, whatever you do to the least you do to me, Jesus says that, and it's in the Bible. But this can swing the other way too, when we don't know the context, when we don't know the history, and we don't know how the people got there. I do not permit a woman to speak. That is in the Bible. It's in there. And all of a sudden, people feel a bit less comfortable, and I will very much state we have excellent preachers and speakers uh, that are not men that we hear from, and we are a better community for it. But this is in the Bible. We have to wrestle with that. And I think by knowing what happens before and afterwards, I'm able to legitimately say, no, I think we can learn from women. Um, Really uncomfortable one. Slaves obey your masters, the Bible. And it's in there. And it was used to justify atrocity for centuries. I can't imagine the damage that has been done. But, but it's there. It's in the Bible. And so if we want to ignore the complex context, ignore the rich story, ignore the beautiful narrative, we are missing out and we can make some terrible decisions. But we're not going to do that today. So we're going to start by putting Jeremiah in context. And this is going to be a little story time because I like stories. But as I say, I think these verses are more potent. And we know how we got here. So story time. It's a few thousand years ago. And you're a, you're a proud nation. And you're pretty highly regarded from other nations as well. And God has told you that he's not going to abandon you. God has told you that I'll be your God and you'll be my people. But over the years, the people get complacent. You get complacent. And you think maybe we don't need to take God's commands as seriously as we used to. And those slaves that you're supposed to free and you are supposed to free them, you don't, you don't do that. And God is not happy about that. And that spouse that you're supposed to love and honor, you don't do that either. And God doesn't do that like that much either. And those children you're supposed to love and protect, uh, they end up being sacrificed on the altars of foreign gods. And God really doesn't like that. <laughs> and what I've described there is basically the first few hundred pages of the Bible. There's more to it, obviously, <laughs> but that's a, a cliff notes. And so, so the prophets come, people who hear directly from God. They come and they tell you what is on God's heart, on God's mind. They tell you what God needs you to hear in that moment. And they say, you know what? It's not too late, actually. It's not too late. Just, just honor people. Just, just love them the way that God loves you. Love them the way you were supposed to. And scroll through the Old Testament, you'll find time and time again. Just love people. Just love them. Just honor them the way that God loves you. And then this prophet Amos comes. He comes a couple of hundred years before Jeremiah, actually. Long time before him. And he says, it's not too late, but, but just let justice roll. Let justice roll. And then Micah comes a hundred years later, 
And Micah says, you know, it's not too late. It's not too late. Just act justly and walk humbly in love and mercy with God. It's not too late. And then Jeremiah comes and he says, you know, it's not too late. Just, just protect the weak. Just protect the weak. It's not too late. It's not too late. But then it's too late. And you realize that God keeps God's promises, all of them. And that promise that he'll be your God and you'll be his people, that works both ways. And as much as God's heart is torn apart, he knows that you're not listening anymore. And so God stops protecting you. You stop being his people, so he stopped being your God. And now you've gone from a proud nation, one that was forever protected by the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-knowing God, to one invaded by Babylon, a foreign superpower with false gods, and they destroy your temple, that great sign that God is on your side, that he is present and with you. And then you're carried away. Actually, you're only carried away if you're useful, if you're smart. If you're a politician, a priest, if you're a craftsman, but the less able, they get left behind. The weak get left behind. Those that can't build, they're left behind. And after being ripped from that home that you love, the home of your ancestors, you're now in this foreign land, and you don't speak the language, and your titles and your accomplishments, they don't mean anything. Quite the reverse, you'll be mocked for them. And if only you succeeded less, maybe you wouldn't have been stolen away. And you hate every second of it. And your one hope is that it doesn't last too long. That this prophet Hananiah, who, by the way, has given a bunch of false prophecies before, Hananiah tells you, don't worry, this is only for a year or two. Don't worry, this will be over soon. And instead, you get this letter. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those who I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number, don't decrease. And seek the peace and prosperity of the city into which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because as it prospers, you will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. He's talking about Hananiah there. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For you know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. See, 
This isn't about God having plans for the individual. It's about God having plans for the whole community. It's for a community that has been beaten down, for a community that is struggling to find hope, a community that's had such a rough time, they'll happily accept easy lies over hard truths. I have great plans for you, says the Lord. But you know what? For those plans to come to fruition, to see those plans through, you've got to seek the welfare of the city. And for those receiving this letter, having to love that city is is way more of an ask for them than it is for us. It's the hardest thing they could possibly do. This letter is written to the the losers, the people that have had their power and their dignity stripped from them. But despite the hardship and the horror of the situation, they are told, seek the welfare of the city, seek the peace of the city, seek the prosperity of the city. In this moment, I think this this is what strikes me. I believe in this moment, God is telling his people, love the unlovable. Those people that you find it so difficult to love, and you might have a really good reason, love them regardless. Those people that despise you, love them. Those people who worship other gods, whose values don't match your own, love them. Settle and marry, because you are in here for the long haul. Plant gardens, (laughs) because it's going to be a while. (laughs) But for me here, so much of what God is asking is to love those that we find so difficult to love. That's going to come up a lot next week, so let's let's remember that. (laughs) Because I have these great plans for you, says God. I have these great plans, but to see them through you, God, I love the city. Don't set yourself apart from it. Don't have this holier-than-thou approach to those that you disagree with or don't understand. And not just you as an individual, you as a community, you as a whole people group. (laughs) And sometimes love in the city is hard. (laughs) Every time I'm stuck on the TTC, I don't love the city. That's like how I feel. And that feels like it's all the time. Loving the city is hard and weird. uh, I've lived in Toronto for 11 years. I lived in London for three. uh, And I went back to England in September, and and Emily was with me, which is wonderful. And uh, for this story to work, for those of you listening, I am 6'3 when I stand up straight, and Emily is 5 foot nothing when she tries really hard. <laughs> and, and we were walking through London, and, and we this guy jumped in front of us, and he's like, hey man, we're at Leicester Square, and we were walking to King's Cross. It doesn't matter if you don't know where those things are. It's like a 30, 40-minute walk. And this guy was like, hey, man, can I have money to a cab to King's Cross? I'm like, bro, I'm walking there. Like, you can walk with us if you want. And then just as I'm recoiling from this, this other man just goes, big man, tiny woman. <laughs> so what do you do to that? <laughs> well, I feel like you only get that in the city, right? Like... <laughs> We're in these spaces with weird people that might be difficult to love. 
<laughs> like, what's the response to that? I don't even like. He's right. <laughs> but Babylon isn't London, and London isn't Toronto. These contexts are very different, and unlike the exiles, most of us are in Toronto because we kind of want to be. Or maybe feel called to be if we don't want to be here expressly. We aren't distressed or dispossessed people in a foreign land. We, we aren't the underdog, most of us. So if God's charge to God's children on a 70-year time out is to love the city, despite how much they might be inclined to hate it, how much more do you expect he's expecting from us now? And and in the original sermon, I said I had to deviate from this a lot. In the original sermon in 2018, I dreamed at what the next few years of Wellspring would look like, including what I thought the pastor would look like. Um, <laughs> and you guys got sold short. I don't know, but <laughs> where we're doing well, where we could do better, where we're loving the city, where we maybe need to love the city more. But Jesus, and we're going to talk a lot more about Jesus next week. Jesus says that we know we are Christians by our love, by the way that we love one another. So, so again, how do we think we're doing there? Because actually I think there's some areas where we're doing so well. I think we're doing so well. And I think there's some areas where we need to do better. <laughs> we're told to love our neighbor. Um, I wonder, are any of us like bold enough to ask our neighbors if they feel loved by us? Well, that's an uncomfortable silence, isn't it? And and there's folks that, that don't love the city, and that might be because they're, they're only here because they had no other choice. And how do we love those people better? Uh, and some people might only love the city for what they're able to take from it. But but we gotta love the city. We gotta love the people in it. And and so yeah, we need to ask ourselves what it looks like in 2022 because it's been a rough couple of years. And so I don't want people feeling guilty about not having done enough or loving their neighbor enough. Like you have survived the last couple of years, and and that's not a given. It has been hard for everyone and unbelievably difficult for some. So the fact that you are here. And, and with us, I'm, I'm so thankful for. And the fact that you made it is amazing. And give yourself credit for, for making it. But I'm excited again. I guess that's how I feel. I feel excited again. After years of not feeling like I've been able to do anything or go anywhere or meet new people, I feel like it's springtime. You know, the snow's cleared. <laughs> and the grass is green. Like, so how do we want to seek the welfare of this city better? Because again, those great plans that God has, those plans not to harm, but to help, but to grow us. Not for me as an individual or you as an individual, but us as a community. They become realized when we seek the welfare of the city. We seek the peace of the city. And, and so what does the city need? What is it that we're able to provide? 
And these these aren't rhetorical questions, by the way. Like this is I'm giving you homework right now. <laughs> I, I want you praying into this and asking God, like, what is it the city needs? What is it that we're able to help with? We're in a weird space with a massive building and not enough people in it. Okay, so what does God want to be doing with this space? We we have a fund with like thousands of dollars in it, like specifically for outreach, and it's super generic that way. So, and we've talked about how broad evangelism is and what outreach can look like. That's what pay for our bees in our garden. Like that's what the kind of thing we're using it for. It's specifically for reaching people with the good news and we know, letting people know who Jesus is and how much he loves them. That might look different for different people. Because sadly, sometimes churches are the last place people expect to find that good news, that they're loved and people care and that they matter. So yeah, the, here you go. Like this is, this is it for the week. There's no like grand flourish or anything. It's, it's homework. It's like, think about what the city needs and really think about what the city needs and pray for me and talk to me and call me and hold me accountable and talk to the leaders here about what you think the city needs, what we can be doing with our time, with our building, with our money, with our efforts, with our prayers. I believe, I truly believe this, that God has great plans for our community really great plans. But for that, we've got to seek the peace and the prosperity and the welfare of the city. We've got to really love it. So let's, let's do that. Let's pray. Well, we thank you for, for everything that you have given us as a community. We thank you for those that have gone before us, those that have stayed here with us, and we pray that our hearts be open to what you want Wellspring to do next. Lord, we want to pray, seek the peace and prosperity of the city, and we want to seek you with all of our hearts. So where there might be distractions, where there may be feelings of, of being disheartened, we pray that more of you, Lord, more of your revelation, more of who you are, more of who you want us to be. We pray that we see you clearer, that we follow your example more perfectly. Lord, we're told that your people shine like stars in the sky. We pray that we can do that and reveal more and more of who you are. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.